Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting, answering the big questions in film. Hey there, hello, ahoy hoy everybody, it's Andy Gillard here, keeping it real. Hi, it's uh, Matt Guy, how are we all doing this evening? And ahoy hoy. I've been watching The Simpsons lately, oh. a bit of a Monty Burns thing. Oh, see, this is, this is when I get no Simpsons references whatsoever, because I don't care about The Simpsons. I've, I think I thought about this when we were talking about it on uh, other podcasts, um, fancast before, and I don't think I've actually seen a whole episode of The Simpsons in my entire life. No, from start, never. From, from start to finish. Wow, that's a big claim because I mean you've got thirty years worth of stuff. It's almost older than me. It's ridiculous. No, I don't, I don't think I ever have. So I've seen when it's been on, and I've kind of I've I've caught it out the corner of my eye, and I've never laughed at it once ever. <laughs> There's some classics. I mean, it went terrible from probably about year 14 onwards. But the first 13 seasons were stellar. And it's all on Disney Plus, so you've got an excuse now. Is it going to be like really aged, though, with really aged references? No, not at all. I don't think it is. I don't think it got really like pop culture until quite quite. Uh, you know quite far along into it like you you have some episodes that have like celebrities that are bigger at the time but you've mm. still got like um not like the rolling stones and there was the the episode like hullabaloo's has like smashing pumpkins and stuff like that in but i don't think it's aged too badly like that i think you're gonna get some of the older references might not come across particularly well like the michael jackson stuff maybe but you know i think it'll be hit and miss shall we say as um as bad as Mr. Jefferson in South Park. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Quite. <laughs> well, gents, it's been a week. Am I the only one who just wants to sit down and watch The Rock again? Because that oh, film yeah. was awesome. Just great. It's all I've been thinking about. Love it. Yeah, I so, wouldn't mind to be fair, compared to um, compared to next, which we'll get on to now. <laughs> but um, we'll yeah. get onto that on an, on another pod. Quite. Quite. They can't all be gold, though, can they? Let's be honest. No, they can't. They can't all be... It's, it's almost like it's not even tin. They're like gold. <laughs> yeah, that's a hell of a quote. So, in the last couple of weeks, since we were all last together, we've had a bit of bat news going on in the world, which, as a huge Batman fan, this has been my time to shine. I've loved it. I mean, firstly, there's a bit of sad news coming. Unfortunately, the director of the third and fourth of the original films, Joel Schumacher, passed away. Stu, any of Schumacher's films that you'll be looking back on fondly? Strangely, Phone Booth. Oh, good film. Is it incredible? Like no one ever talks about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of them things. So it was it, the whole Kiefer Sutherland revolution with uh, Twenty Four and stuff like that. Was literally the only reason we went, I went to see. It and he, well, that's not, he, he features in it. Let's just say that that's not really yeah. for people. I know it's, it's probably about how old is it now, but. 20 years old, something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I came out of watching 2002, so yeah, nearly 20 years old. Jesus, that's gone fast. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really, really loved that film. It's more than probably natural. But uh, there was another one, um, St. Elmo's Fire. Classic. Yeah. I, only, I, I only watched that once, and it came upon another um another feature the other day and i thought that's what i need to watch again because that's been a long long time yeah but, yeah but i never knew he was gay for a long time either which is strange considering he was so prominently out well yeah i mean the 
first time I realised he was gay was when the story came out that he allegedly slept with 20,000 men. <laughs> that was like the first I'd heard of it. I was like, okay, good on you, chap. At least you enjoyed yourself while you were here. That's all I can say. And I've never met 20,000 people. <laughs> I know, yeah. We're in the wrong line of work, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, because we're a cage cast, he worked with Nicolas Cage in 8mm. Yes. Apparently, he offered the role of Jonathan Crane to Nicolas Cage on the set of Face Off, another film that we'll be looking at. Um, so when they were originally going to do the fifth Batman film, it was going to be Scarecrow involved, and Nick Cage was the uh, the man he wanted to play the the, the role. I thought that was quite interesting. But I'd have, lo- I'd have loved to have seen that. I, I think knowing Nick Cage is such a big comic book geek, mm-hmm. I, yeah, it, it's, it's a shame really that it took so long for him to get into the comic book world, yeah. and that when he did, it was Ghost Rider. But that, that's another story for another day, that one is. Uh, the other news we've had is a bit better news, this one. Michael Keaton has been in talks to don the cape and cowl once again and return to the DCEU as Batman, or at least as Bruce Wayne. I mean, whether or not he's going to suit up, it's another question. How do you see this working out, Matt? Well, I'm of the generation, um, and I, I don't mean to age shame anybody here, but I was always, <laughs> I, I, I always related more to Bale as Batman than Keaton. Mm-hmm. Um, so that era of Batman doesn't do a lot for me. It's a bit camp and a bit hokey for me. However, um, Keaton in Birdman, I don't know, it's a very different film. But it's not the same, mm-hmm. the same at all. But it's playing a slightly um, aged um, superhero of sorts. Actually, makes me think. You know what? If he stuck to the Bruce Wayne side of it and didn't don the cowl, as you say, actually, it could be quite entertaining. He could bring. Um, a real legitimacy to wh- whatever film and then whoever he hands the cowl to in that film in whichever way that they, they do it um, I think it actually be quite exciting um, and I'd look forward to seeing what they do with it because you know much like professional wrestling we need uh, we need competition between the two universes to bring out the best in each other um, and yeah, I think it'll be don't argue with that and I think it'll be, uh, I think it'll be entertaining and, and I, you know can you get enough Batman probably not that universe I don't think you can well, interestingly, the, the other little bit of news, and this is a bit of a weird one, is that we're getting the return of Batfleck. So Ben Affleck has signed a new contract with HBO Max rather than with Warner Brothers. I'm not quite sure how that's going to work, whether or not it'll just extend up until the Snyder Cut's released of the Justice League or whether or not he's going to be doing more after it. Mm. But it could end up that we're going to end up with Ben Affleck, Michael Keaton and Robert Pattinson all playing the bat at the same time. Hmm. Well, another in talks of um, with Spider-Man being a PlayStation exclusive, bringing the rights to Batman for Xbox, which as an Xbox head, like, oh, is amazing for me. I'd be delighted. Um, I know. <laughs> I think a lot of people would because I've, I've never played that Spider-Man game, and it's meant to be absolutely excellent. Um, so that'll be interesting to see if they do that as well. But yeah, it's all going on in the bat world, and. I, for one, am absolutely delighted to hear about it, to be honest. Uh, so before we get on in today's questions, we've got some podcast admin. Um, Podmin? Padmin? We'll, we'll think Padme. of the name. Padme. Padme. We've got some Padme to get on with. Um, we've got a few reviews to talk about. We've got some... Oh, we've got an email. We've got our first listener email. And we've got some, que- some questions from the listeners. So... Let's jump right in. We'll do the iTunes reviews first. 
tell me if you realize you can recognize what films the, the quotes are from so the first one we've got is from ash wolf 16 starting work at 5am on a monday morning is a struggle but listening to this has been a slice of fried gold the concept and format is easy to follow and listen to for the greater good another podcast uh, another positive sorry is the host so natural and genuine in conversation where other film podcasts feel confined to certain rules leaving them like seeing a lion eating some hummus keep it up guys <laughs> matt what film's that from well I, I was sipping my drink as you were reading it and I, I tried to get in the greater good as soon as you said it i never <laughs> got the chance uh so it's a, a combination of Shaun of the dead and um and hot fuzz i believe the lion hot hummus fuzz, bit yeah. though i didn't i didn't get the lion yeah. eating hummus i'm sure that's from um hot fuzz we'll, we'll check that one out and Maybe Ash Wolf can get in contact with us and let us know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had one from Rocket Queen. And Stu, I think you might get this, but I'm not sure Matt will. Uh, the review is, enjoying it so far, subscribed as a promise to someone. Uh, but the title of it is, you think you're excited about this podcast, you should feel these nipples. <laughs> Do you know what film that's from? I'm getting... <laughs> It's one well, we've I'll... had conversations about. It's talking about Expendables. No, no. I'm, I'm, all I can think of, because he was talking about that um, Christian Bale was his first Batman, all I could think of was Bat Nipples, and that's just got George <laughs> Clooney in my head. No, it's, and... it's not that one. <laughs> no. It's from Basketball. Oh, oh of course. With the, yeah, with his... Um... Yes. Ask Big oh, South Park fans, we... yeah. We could talk about basketball and the um, Cannibal the Musical for hours. Absolutely, it's the best. You haven't seen any of them, have you, Matt? No, no, I haven't. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a bit far behind on those, but I'm willing to. I mean, I'm open to suggestions. We should, we should really do a segment where we open it up to to viewers about voting something that I actually watch. I feel like, <laughs> like, yeah. like yeah. To my friends, I'm the film, I'm the film geek who watches loads of films, but to you guys, I'm, I'm a Neanderthal that hasn't seen anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, but to be, to be fair though, you you're just n- normal. I mean, I watch a load of rubbish in that, admittedly. So, <laughs> and like, things like I watch just everything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's 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 more films than time in Andy's life. <laughs> uh, so that was from Rocket Queen, and the last review is from Gweski Four. Great podcast, love it. Up there with the Cinephiles pod. Keep up the good work. Stop playing with yourself, Hooper. Stop playing with yourself, Hooper. Do you know where that's from? So this is why I'm so I'm bad at quizzes. <laughs> it's when the pressure's on and you've been asked a question, isn't it? That's from Jaws, that one is. Oh. The great Jaws, yeah. So thank you very much for those reviews. Really appreciate it. So please drop us a review. Rate us as well. Chuck some uh, film quotes in there and we'll read you out next time. Uh, so... Our first listener email came in this week as well, gents. Obviously, people can email us, cagefightingpod at gmail.com. And that's exactly what Adam Gumbrell did. And he says, uh, really enjoying the new podcast. Good for working from home. Uh, Not sure he's in agreement with us recommending Nick Cage in Conair, though. (laughs) (laughs) He asks, what did he bring to this role that any other 90s action star couldn't have bought? Matt, what, what do you think? Well, when you think about it, it's a fair comment, really. Um, 
does he does he bring anything that somebody else done in a really bad southern accent couldn't have done or um i think yeah maybe not but i just think what he does he does well in it and and but yeah other people probably could have done it completely agree there but i think he does it in a way that is memorable despite it being you know he's not gonna win an oscar for it but i think he was still memorable but it could have been somebody else that did it absolutely Stu, is there anyone you think could have stepped in and, and taken the ball and run with it? Well, staying on theme of Joel Schumacher films, um, Jim Carrey, maybe. Yeah, I can it's, see that. Yeah, that, that, it's that kind of insane madness kind of thing. I mean, the bunny thing, the bunny um, scene in itself. Mm. That kind of kind of the wackiness factor. That yeah, I think. I <laughs> I know it was a nonsense film, but I like I said at the time I lo- I did like it a lot, and um, it's hard to think of anyone else who would fit that role for me. Yeah, no, it's, a, it, it's a valid point because he doesn't actually do it, bring himself into it more than anything else. It's just a imitate an accent badly and be Nicolas Cage for a bit, um, but that's all that film needs. So yeah. I don't. If you, you you change it for someone else, you change the whole essence of the film for me, and that's you can't you can't mess with greatness. <laughs> Absolutely, for me, knowing that that film was supposed to be quite a straight laced down the middle film, and <laughs> Nick Cage was given the freedom to create his character and help shape the narrative of the film, I don't think anybody else could have come in and made that film. It would have been a completely different film altogether. So I think if you enjoyed the film you've got to praise Nick Cage for what he brought to it, personally. But obviously, Adam disagrees, but he does agree with us on The Rock. It's in a different league to Connor, And I would agree, because The Rock is just a fantastic movie all round. So thank you very much for getting in contact, Adam. Really appreciate that. Uh, and obviously, we've now got some of our, uh, our first listener questions. Matt, do you want to uh, read them out for us? Yes, yeah, so I'm going to quick, do some quick-fire ones now. So, uh, Stu, I'm going to ask you, first of all, what makes a good actor? Richard Hobbs wants to know. So personally, he, he says, uh, someone can act in multiple genres and roles, but there is an argument to someone who plays the same role consistently, i.e. Mark Wahlberg. Is he a good actor? So what to you makes a good actor? Um, to me, a bit of both, to be fair. Um, if, you only, if you only constantly being a character actor all the time, then you are kind of doing a bit of the both and you are, you're playing yourself in a character role, but you're also getting so far into it, like Heath Ledger and, and what happened there. Um, but at the same time, you've employed for a reason for being, a, being that person. So mm-hmm. someone like Christian Bale, who starving and starving himself and putting weight on things like that. I know it's not, it, it's kind of getting into the vibe of the character, but that's got to be admired as much as playing the same role every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, so f- for me, someone like, that's why Leo's so great, because mm-hmm. he, he can do either. So for me, uh, you've got to have a bit of both. Okay. Uh, Todd DeWitt, friend of the show, wants to know, and I direct this, um, and I know Stuart want to answer this as well, but I'm going to direct it to Andy. <laughs> what is the best Fast and Furious movie? When I saw this, I, I was thinking, because it's a tough, tough question, but, I think once you get past the th- the third one, 
that's when it really kicks up. And for me, each film so far has just taken it higher and higher. So I'm going to discount the Hobbs and Shaw one because there's no Dom Toretto and you need some Dom Toretto in a Fast and Furious film. So I'm going to go with the last one that was released, the seventh one. It was high octane, batshit crazy. What you want from a Fast and Furious film. Mm. They stopped a submarine and a rocket and all the crazy shit you want. So, yeah, the, the most recent one for me. Okay. Uh, Stu, David Evans wants to know, will the latest Star Wars trilogy be regarded as one of the worst of the trilogies in year to come? The Last Jedi is a cracker of a film for me, but the recent trilogy doesn't stand up well. What do you think? No. <laughs> I. It's weird because at the time, I liked the prequels. I didn't love them. But again, I was, what, 15, 16, 99, something like that. So, and then you watch them now and, I mean, Attack of the Clowns is legitimately one of the worst films ever made in the history of everything. It's just, it's just shit. <laughs> it, it, it looks like it was made on, a, I mean, some of the, um, the water effects and I know we go into Star Wars again, but the water effects are just, it's just really, really bad CG and basing the whole film around CG, that whole trilogy I think they they got it right with the, the new three, and yeah, they messed up with the, the Last Jedi, which Andy's going to completely disagree with. Um, but we, me and my brother, walked out of the Last Jedi, and we just didn't know what to say to each other. Mm. And it was only the second time I watched it that I kind of I liked it better the second time and further watchings. But I really like Rise of Skywalker. I don't really know why, but it's again the the first three were so good. The, the prequels were okay at the time, but now not the best. And the new ones are okay. Mm. But the best one is Rogue One. So, or well, actually, <laughs> Rogue, Rogue, Rogue One is Rogue One is legitimately one of my top twenty best films ever. It's just a, it's a superb film in its own right. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a line yeah. in. Um, sorry, Stu, go on. No, I'll, I'll say for Dave's point, I, I would say the prequels are the worst in. Reflecting on how many times I've seen them, and obviously I've only seen Rise of Skywalker twice, at, as it stands now. Um, but yeah, originals, new ones, prequels. That's my my route. Okay, mate. Well, Can it's, I answer it's funny, this? There's, there's, well, I'm going to kind of follow on <laughs> okay, to a question sorry. about this sort of to you. Um, <laughs> so David also wants to know: um, Do you buy into the thought, um, the thought process that each generation loves the trilogy that they grew up with the most? So in relation to Star Wars, um, he was showing the original trilogy as a kid, but the new films that were released for me were the prequels, which he still has a soft spot for. So, Andy, how do you feel about that? You know, it, the ones that you grew up with, are they always going to be the best? And then anything, anything that follows just has to pale in comparison? Or how, how do you feel about that? I think there is a bit of that. I mean, going to, if we, we hop over to a different... Uh, artistic medium and talk about music the best band-aid single is the second one for me because that's the one i remember as a kid but i think with star wars much like dave i grew up with watching the originals but the first ones that were in the cinema for me would have been the the prequel trilogy yeah, yeah. but they are unwatchable films they're <laughs> so i mean the, the only good thing in the first one is the score in the the final fight with um the, the three, yeah, Darth Maul and the, the two Jedis. The score's fantastic in that. That's not enough to watch a film for. 
The second one is the worst film of all of them and one of the worst films of all time. The third one is the hammiest, hokiest bullshit ever. They're just not good. And I am going to disagree with Stu. In the new trilogy, and possibly in all of the films that have been made in Star Wars, The Last Jedi is the best one. It's a fantastic movie. Fantastic. Don't let me split you guys up, please. (laughs) (laughs) This is cage fighting, isn't it, (laughs) <laughs> exactly and one final question Stu from Ash Dolan um, you know going to films that you cannot question for their uh, ec- you know the excellent films where do you stand on the Expendables trilogy huge fun that leaves your brain at the door action movie but with an unreal cast number two is a one liner the movie so yeah you'd argue that the cast is huge it's every action film that you've ever seen amalgamated into one film what do you make of the Expendables they tickle every single one of my silly nonsense film boxes um it's it's action version of it's two action films what transformers is to cartoons so it's just you you know exactly what you're going to get it's complete nonsense it knows it's nonsense but certainly expendable i actually prefer machete to um, yeah the first expendables anyway um we watched machete we um with faithful listener Goldie, um, we me and him watched, um, we watched Machete after I think we watched it was Wolves away at Southampton in the first game of the season, and I didn't go then that well that far anyway, um, and we we watched that in the Collier, and then we walked back to mine and pretty smashed, uh, got a kebab on the way home with more cans, came back to mine and watched Machete on a Saturday night, <laughs> and that. That's probably one, I've only seen it about three or four times since then, but it was a superb film. It can't be beaten. Yeah, but it's in the same same vein of B movie nonsense, which is always good. Yeah, absolutely. That's all you can ask for. Well, if you guys want to ask us any questions on Twitter, then please feel free, and we'll get, read out the best ones, um, and then we'll thrash it out and. You know, it's good that we can answer these kind of questions. We're not always going to agree on everything, but that's the whole point, isn't it? We all have different tastes, so get your questions in, and you'll we'll get them read out. So let's move on to the uh, the main part of the show where we ask our own questions. First question, you know what I'm going to ask. What have you been watching? Has it been any good? Matt, do you want to kick us off? Yeah. Um, so I've been listening to, uh, or I'd finished actually, Adam Buxton's um, Ramble book, the audio book. Really, really enjoyed it. And, and, and a massive chunk of that book is about David Bowie and his relationship with Bowie growing up and even stepping in as a kind of father figure to him in a strange way. Um, and admittedly, I, I really know so little about David Bowie. So I started listening to um, his music, the ones that I knew. And then I stumbled across um, a documentary on YouTube called Sound Vision. Um, and I watched it and it's absolutely excellent. It's a really good um, kind of a 90 minute uh, documentary showing the career, the highs and lows of David Bowie how he went from, you know, his very early starts and the different changes in his work and his adaptability. He's like the Chris Jericho of pop. He has that many, like, changes in his... Um, I think Bowie came persona. first, though. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it was just a really, really entertaining watch and makes me um, appreciate him as an artist absolutely so much more, to the point where, because they kind of died around a similar kind of time, I don't know nearly enough about Prince either. Mm. Um, so I'd like to like find a similar documentary about Prince so I can understand his work a little better. I mean, um, 
Are you a fan of Kevin Smith's work at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. On one of his, um, he did a college tour where he'd do a Q&A, and he speaks about when Prince hired him to make a documentary about okay. Prince's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's really interesting him talking about it, but I think Prince owns, or owned, should I say, the, uh, the whatever was going to be released, and he refused to let it go out in the end. Mm-hmm. But he, uh, Kevin Smith was talking to his like his assistant, his personal assistant, to Prince's personal assistant, and he would say that Prince doesn't live in this world. Like, he will phone him up at 3am in the morning and say, I'm at Harvard, I need a horse, get me one now. (laughs) And he couldn't understand why that wasn't possible. He just said, I mean, obviously it's not going to go into the depth that you would want on Prince, but I think it's the first, an evening with Kevin Smith. It's well worth watching just to hear him talk about it. You might even find that on YouTube. Yeah, yes. Uh, in yeah. terms of like kind of progress I've been binge watching, um, and I don't ask me why I've gone to this because it's not something that like people have recommended or anything, but I've gone mad for 24 hours in police custody. <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, there's, there's, there's something because hopefully in our lifetimes, we'll never go through that, that procedure, mm. you know, 24 hours in the cells or whatever, anything like that. Um, and so to, to see behind that curtain, and to see that you know the process and some of the like the the characters that are in there is just I just find it quite entertaining trash TV that I can just watch have on in the background and not think too much about it. So I mean it, it does get heavy, you know they have murderers, paedophiles, and, and a lot in there. But um, that's kind of my my binge watch at the moment that I can I can have on and then be told in five episodes time are you still watching this? <laughs> Lovely. Oh, one other thing, Matt. If you like Bowie, Letter to Hermione. Brilliant song. Check that one out. Mm. I will do. Uh, Stu, what about yourself? What's been on your TV this uh, last week? Um, I played some more Last of Us Part Two. Um, I'm probably a bit th- between a quarter and a third of the way through it now, and I know it's got a lot of shit and it's a bit controversial and stuff. So mm. Just keep away from all news about it because it's some of the stuff in there is like pretty pretty shocking, but. It's an excellent, excellent game. Um, but series-wise, I watched um, it's only ten episodes, and it's it has been it, it, as it stands now. It hasn't got a second season, but it does wrap itself up. It's called Lincoln Rhyme Hunt for the Bone Collector. Okay. Um, it's IMDb thing. It's a retired forensic criminologist teams up with an ambitious young detective to help capture some of the most dangerous criminals in America, and it's basically this guy who's a, a genius who just takes a detective who just swallows up everything. He absorbs all things, all knowledge, and he, he knows exactly where parts of New York are and things of certain trees on certain parks and things like this. But he's got this serial killer called the Bone Collector who he's been tracking for years who um, mangles him up and paralyzes him. So he's in a wheelchair for the entire series. And he's got he's walking the young detective through the crime scenes via a camera on her chest. It's right. I think did they make this into a film with Angelina Jolie and Denzel Washington. I think it sounds very familiar, but I didn't realise it was made into a TV series as well. Oh, uh, you're thinking of um, I'm sure uh, Bone Collector or something like that. I'm not Stewie, sure. Stewie, are you sure you haven't been watching Ironside? <laughs> well, he's a black, he's a black eye inside. <laughs> but there's, there's like no, there's no one in it who you'd even remotely know, and it, yeah. it's just 
it's Russell Hornsby's the, the main guy, and it's really it's really well done. Considering it was only it's only a ten episode thing, and you have to find it through certain means. Cause it, uh, oh, it's now it's on Sky It's on um, No TV now as well, I think. Um, but yeah, it's just a really really well done series, ten episodes. I'd recommend it. But mm. it's just a different take on the usual crime procedural drama kind of thing. Um, and you got a black a black lead detect paralyzed detective as the lead, which is a bit different. So yeah, I watched that and I, as well as something I know that we're going to talk about in a minute. But, yeah, Andy? we'll get to that. Um, yeah, that was a film, The Bone Collector, nineteen ninety nine, and Denzel played Lincoln Rhyme. I've seen the film. The film's good. Um, oh, I yeah, believe so it's... it's based on a book, so yeah. I'm imagining that will probably expand a lot on it. Might look out for that actually. That's, uh, I do like a, a police procedural. Uh, so yeah, what I've been watching this week, a um, couple of films, uh, one called The Final Girls, which is, I mean, the, the title itself gives it away that it's a meta look at the horror genre. It's a, a, a comedy horror where a group of teenagers watch an old slasher from like the 70s and they get somehow sucked into the cinema screen and have to live the live the story out of it. It's really good fun. It's got people like Thomas Middleditch and Taysa Farmiga. So it's got people who are like in the the new wave of comedy almost. So I, check that out. Really good fun. I watched another film called Days of Bagnold Summer, which is directed by Will from The Inbetweeners. And it's just this really sweet little English indie film about um, a single parent and her relationship with a son. And a son's a bit of a, a Grebo dickhead, a bit lazy and... I think it's something that most of us can probably uh, connect with at some level. So I'd thoroughly recommend that. I thought that was lovely. And Stu, I think son off... of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Pointing on the camera. <laughs> yeah. And I finished off the Harley Quinn animated series, which is a must for anyone who likes good, funny, adult-orientated animation. So the one that we I know we've all watched... Eurovision. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, ding dong! Because you're so excited, we're going to do this way. Matt, you start it. I will rebut it. Stu, you can finish it off. Okay. Matthew, what did you think? Uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Sorry. and No, I did really enjoy it. I think it was, um, it was a really sweet film that was quite heartwarming in parts but still had the over-the-top elements that Will Ferrell brings to his roles, but in a way that isn't nauseatingly like shoehorned in. Um, I think the plot, I, I think the plot was entertaining. It was, you could see the things that were going to happen in it so far in advance. It became funny because they were so far in advance, what was going to happen in, in the film. Um, and as, as, a, as we were talking about guilty pleasures, and then I think in the very first podcast, Eurovision is one of them for me. So I really enjoyed it from that, you know, spoiler alert, Graham Norton appears in it. And it was just, I just found that amazing. I don't know why. I don't know why I found that's like got so much glee out of that. But <laughs> I just thought, I think it was a really entertaining film. It, it ticked the boxes for me. It was camp, but not too camp. It was over the top, but not too over the top. And, and it actually had a story that you don't normally associate with anything Will Ferrell usually puts out there. So no, I enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. However, I know you didn't. So talk me through, Andy. I thought it was terrible. I thought it was so <laughs> middle of the road. It wasn't 
it wasn't bad enough to be camp funny. It wasn't good enough to be outright funny. It was just plodding along. It was so obvious that, oh, she likes him. He doesn't know what's going on. They're going to get together somehow, maybe fall out, but then end up back together at the end of it to sing that song. That's exactly what happened. The songs in it weren't particularly great either. They, they need to be a lot better. They either need to be a lot funnier or actually good songs that you would listen to to make it believable. And it was neither. But are, but, so, are any songs from Eurovision something that you would listen to in the comfort of your own home? That is a fair accusation to make, <laughs> to be honest. Because <laughs> they're not really. But the film did nothing for me. And to be perfectly honest, I've said this a million times, Will Ferrell should have retired after the first Anchorman film. Because he's done nothing really worthy of mention for me. And, and let's be honest, Anchorman, he might be the weakest one out of the group in Anchorman, if I'm being brutally honest. He's there just to bring the other guys in and do their crazy shit. Stu, tell me I'm wrong. You're so wrong. You're so very, <laughs> very wrong. It's, I don't think, I know that... Let's back up. The context of this film being made is because Will Ferrell is married to a Swedish woman, and Sweden loves Eurovision, obviously. Um, so he's fully embraced the complete nonsense of the whole thing, um, and that's really what you have to do going into it. I did think how this would translate to someone who, who and people who don't like Eurovision, and I think we all know that you you've got a stone heart anyway. Um, <laughs> but with things like this. It's a bit, it's very in-house. It's very, like, you have to be part of the joke. And a lot of the, the even the the, um, the sing-along in the house with all the past Eurovision entry winners and the, the personalities and things, and you know, the guy with the um, with the violin, and the, all the, like the, the smorgasbord of entertainment from the Eurovision shows for the last um, 15, Could 20 years. Could you get some years. smorgasbord there, Shay? Well, get the Swedish in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just... If you love Eurovision, you will love this film. And I said, after watching it the first time, I said, it, it, it could surpass Die Hard as my favourite film of all time. <laughs> it's <laughs> uh, it's such complete and utter nonsense. I mean, obviously, he's friends with... Graham Norton's only in there because he's friends with him. And he's uh, been on his show loads of times. Um, but the song at the end, I generally teared up. <laughs> and I wow. Thought, I thought, <laughs> she's Jesus. not... Obviously, they're not... Rachel McAdams is obviously not singing that, which then you find, you look it up and she wasn't, obviously. Um, but I just loved its complete its insanity and things like that. When like they entry, they were in there because someone died. Someone has died before in Eurovision with Iceland <laughs> years and years ago, and crazy shit happens at Eurovision. I mean, you had Lordy winning, and that's something he's played in the Gifford. So. <laughs> Apart from that, there's no way you were ever going to like a Eurovision film. And the fact that we said, I know exactly how long's left, and you knew how long was left yourself. Yeah. But now, it's if you love camp and you love Eurovision, you need to watch it. And you probably already have. You know what, though, uh, Andy? It's funny because we were talking about the film, obviously, prior to the podcast. And one thing that you said you did like was the elf door when, like, uh, I don't want to, in case no one's going to watch it. Yeah. The gag with the elf door. And I, and I was thinking to myself, there's a reason you like that bit because it felt really Simon Pegg 
a Simon Pegg gag that it could have fit into any kind of uh, yeah. any of the Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead um, kind of films. It just felt, I don't know why, it just sprung to my mind like uh, he's going to connect to that bit, if anything, alone. And you did. So I just thought um, it was, yeah, it was, uh, absolutely. If you think of some of the, the skits in Spaced, that wouldn't have felt out of place in one of the, the horror episodes of Spaced. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. spot on there. Yeah. Awesome. But yeah, you you watch it, you make your minds up, email us, tweet us, let us know what you think of it. You'll be on my side because it is shit. <laughs> and, then, and, then we'll, and then we'll slag you off on air. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, second question. Stuart, that's yours this week. Do we want to go into the second question or do we want to watch talk about the actual best film of the year, which is not a film? Well, I was thinking about this because it's not really a film and Matt's not seen it, but obviously we have had another huge release on streaming, the Hamilton movie stage play. Matt, you've not seen it. Why? What? What's holding <laughs> you back? <laughs> what's wrong with you, <laughs> sir? <laughs> Nothing's holding me back. It's funny because um, last July I was in New York and Hamilton was on um, and everybody was talking about it. It was in the papers. And it was a huge, huge deal. Um but King Kong was also on, and <laughs> and it was it was one of the, it was one of those things. We found this um, booth that does kind of half price tickets on the day, mm-hmm. but there was only so many um, shows and certain so. And I'm a big big movie monster fan anyway, so it had to be King Kong. Um, and then I've seen that it's advertising, and people are going wild for it. And I've got no reason not to to watch it really, but it's one of those. And I and I and I feel slightly like this might be your Eurovision Andy in <laughs> other people have praised it so much that you're going to have an already irrational hatred of it because that's just what we like as <laughs> people fair. and I already feel that about Hamilton so I want I want you to to convince me why I should watch it Stu do you want to take up the baton and run <laughs> you think of a musical based on the formation of America with songs that are mainly hip-hop and rap, and you think, that's a load of bollocks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and ordinarily, I really wouldn't listen to that kind of thing. I mean, even Eminem and all that, all the obvious things, and a bit of um, bit of thong song here and there. <laughs> I'm really not, that's not my space whatsoever. But this, well, this piece of art is what it is. It's a piece of art, and it gets in, it. There's just like little earworms all over the place every single... I mean, it's airing 20 minutes, interval airing 20 minutes. And I've watched it twice, and I've listened to the soundtrack in the space of a week. And I'm probably going to watch it again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I tried to convince Annabelle to watch it, and she just said, no, it's a musical. Why would I want to do that? Um, but at school, I, would, I, I didn't do... I did drama, but I was never in the productions, mainly because yeah. I'm quite terrible. Um but it was always one of them things. I liked it, and my cousin does it as well, and she's really good. And I love musicals, and I thought I was. I thought the same as you, Matt. I thought there's so much hype about it; it's not gonna be good. Mm-hmm. And then I watched it, and I'm I'm completely obsessed with the thing. It's amazing. <laughs> you can't without. I was saying keeping it spoiler free, but you know that America gets formed. That's the that's the spoiler. <laughs> it's the journey and the songs and the whole. The whole thing in one in one package is just excellent from start to finish. Okay. Yeah. And what's um what what for you? 
much like Shu, I'm a big fan of musical theatre. I love it. Any chance I will get to go to London or New York and watch a show, I will be there. So for me, it was already on my side, to be perfectly honest. But as we've sort of made known on this podcast that I don't really dig rah-rah America. Mm. And as you said, this is about the Constitution of America. We know that Benjamin Gates is going to steal that in a few thousand years. <laughs> but that didn't really hold me back. That was like, I thought, okay, this might be a bit boring, but I have heard the odd track here and there, and the songs from it have been excellent. And then when it gets going, you realise that it's a story about the underdog, about this man who is fighting from underneath, who's got beliefs in what he wants to do. It's a love story. It's a story which has got murder in there. It's just got a bit of everything that you want to, to get you going. I mean, I'm a fan of Les Miserables, and it is done in that style where the whole show is sung through. So there's no there's no acting parts, air quotes, that is acting. It's all just song, song, song all the way throughout. So it can, to the untrained ear, if you're not used to that style, it, it can take a little bit of going just to get into the swing of it. But I find because it's done in the rap styling rather than, say, an opera, for example, which I think mm. would be a very difficult thing to just dive into. So it's almost like they're, they're rhythmically talking, which okay. does help yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. get that. And then you've just got some absolutely fucking brilliant performances. Lin-Manuel Miranda as Hamilton himself. He's such a likeable everyman that you genuinely root for him. David Diggs, he does the, the one rap, uh, the Lafayette rap that it's known as, and he's incredible. You just genuinely know of this dude who's an actor who's rapping better than some of the, the the biggest names in rap. It's just brilliant. So that that's my pitch for it. It's just brilliant. Okay, excellent. Sold. I will I will give it a watch, to be fair. Um, maybe in a couple of pods of time, I'll give you my, my critical review and we'll see how it, um, how it fared. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so getting back to my question. <laughs> <laughs> what was the, your first memory of film in the cinema? Matt? Hmm, I had to really think hard, really, really hard about this. My first memory in the cinema, believe it or not, my dad took me and my little brother to the Lighthouse Cinema in Wolverhampton to go watch Chicken Run. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, at the time, we were more... We were like two, you know, there's 18 months between me and my brother and we were quite young when we watched it. So we were, you know, we weren't really paying a lot of attention to the film and more laughing. I think there was a guy in the, like in the cinema that kept sneezing or something like that. And we just found it <laughs> hilarious. Like, but when I was kind of old enough to go to cinema on my own and spend my own money, oddly, me and my little brother went to go see Austin Powers 3 gold member like four times. <laughs> I don't know why, because like um, we just found it hilarious, and like the gags were like adult orientated, but we were still kids, so it was like that that like tee hee hee kind of thing, like they're talking about Willie's kind of thing, do you know what I mean? <laughs> like Swedish penis, like penis pumps and stuff like that. Um, that we just found it hilarious, but yeah, Chicken Run was the first um, film I can remember at the cinema at the Lighthouse. You know, there's been talk about Chicken Run too, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Nadia Sawala being too old to play the role. And it's a big thing. I saw Chicken Run 2 trending on Twitter today. I thought, what the hell's going on? <laughs> Jeez, that's mental. 
the, but, you're going to make me feel really fucking old now, Matt. My first memory. Right. I remember being taken to see Snow White when it was released for like the dozenth time. Oh, in 1937? Yeah, in 1937 I was there. I don't really remember much about it. I just vaguely remember being there for Snow White. My first proper memory was going to see Bigfoot and the Hendersons or Harry and the Hendersons, I think is what it was called in the States. Have you seen this film, Bigfoot and the Hendersons? John Lithgow. Yeah, Yeah, I have, yeah. All I remember is, remember when you get to the end and John Lithgow's character has to tell him to go away in order to save him. He has to pretend that he's not his friend. And I remember bawling my eyes out watching (laughs) it. I'd I'd have been three, maybe. And my mum tells me, like, it was inconsolable sobbing. And the guy, apparently it was a packed cinema screen, and the bloke in front of me turned around and says to me, it's okay, he comes back in the end. But that that just wasn't enough. It just destroyed no. me. Oh my god! So that, that's god. my first memory in the cinema was uh, Bigfoot and the Hendersons. Nineteen eighty-seven. Or in four. Jesus. Three or Christ. four. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> Not that old. We I mean, uh, mine. It was that I can remember. Anyway, it was Jurassic Park. Ninety-three. Yeah, ninety-three. And. I mean, obviously, I went to the cinema to see Nonsense before then, but I can't really remember. I remember yeah. being around the, the thing, but the first one I could actually remember, Showcase Warsaw, was um, Jurassic Park in 93, and just how incredible it was. I mean, I, I would have been nine at the time. So, but I went, bear in mind, we, all three of us went, so that would have been, Mark would have been, what, five? <laughs> and Lindsay, four, so a four-year-old watching Jeez. Jurassic Park. Um, but yeah, I remember it vividly, and I still got me out as Mr. Dave from earlier on, he, one of his favorite films of all time. Mm. He gets his, his little shout out, but it's yeah, I remember it really vividly. And the, the one that I remember what paying money to see on my own was Batman and Robin <laughs> 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 taking you back to Joel Schumacher again. Yeah, Batman and Robin at the lighthouse. Wow, and I think uh, the, the first film I saw. Like that, I paid to go and see was Mrs. Doubtfire, yeah. and I was so bored. I but I've seen it since, and I really like that film. But I remember mm. at the time, just so to the cinema, I was just bored out of my mind. You were again, it's ninety four, so yeah, you would have been you would have been the same age, eight nine ish, ninety four. Yeah, I'd have been eleven. <sighs> yeah, it, it, I'd have been in year six yeah. at uh, primary. Yeah. yeah, 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 it was yeah. One thing I remember, like, it wasn't it wasn't film, but it was theatre. I remember when um, my nan took me to the Grand to go watch The Witches and I had to leave. I was oh. so scared. I was so scared. That was like, it was just awful. When, obviously, the time when they, 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 you first realise who they are and what they are. Um, it was just absolutely terrifying. It was an 18th birthday, I'll never forget. But I'm Tish. There we go. <laughs> fair, that film, that film still gets me. It's it's proper like nervy. It's great. Yeah, but it's yeah. That's an awesome one. That is. So my question: After last week watching The Rock, we saw Ed Harris build this team of just badasses. So, gentlemen, I want you to build me a team of incredible characters from films. The only caveat is. They can't be comic book superheroes. 
Matt, kick us off. Okay, so I've gone with a kind. I have gone with a team. It's more of kind of an Ocean's Eleven y. So there's a typecast role for every okay. person. Um, That's what I've been in heavy machinery, heavy heavy weaponry, I've got Arnie and Predator. Um, for the the tech guy, so Mr. Tech, who's going to hack us to get us into the building in the first place, we've got Elliot Alderson, uh, Mr. Robot, Remy Malik's um, Elliot Alderson for Mr. Robot. <laughs> um, the assassin, my assassin, I've gone for a grown-up version of Matilda from Leon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're, we're bringing this into like the kind of the 21st century now uh, my wheelman we've got uh, Ryan Gosling as the driver in 2011 drive um, the leader my leader of this uh, ragtag mob I've got Morpheus uh, from the Matrix Brilliant. and then my, sed- my seductor my one that's going to get me the invites to the parties I've got uh, Jennifer Aniston's character from Horrible Bosses <laughs> 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 to uh he's going to uh, seduce her way into you know all of these glamorous events and uh you know get uh steal the uh the microfilm that we need to save the day or whatever we need <laughs> Super. that's my ragtag mob brilliant Stu. well i went for a solid force and with mine um obviously the leader's got to be hans gruber from die hard <laughs> of course yeah all, all about the money all about the plan um for the muscle, B.A. Brackus. Good agent. choice, yeah. Um, would you the... go for Mr. T or would you go for, oh, what was his name? The dude from the film version. Finger Rames. Wasn't Finger Rames, was it? Was he? I'm sure it was. It's I thought like... it was the MMA, MMA bloke. Oh, I think you'd of... have to go classic, to be honest. I think you'd need Mr. T. Yeah, because I'll have to look that up now. A team. Oh, that film! I, I really enjoyed that film as well. Apart from the bot with the um, with the helicopter starts flying upside down. Yeah, <laughs> that that was a line, wasn't it? Oh no, yeah, it was the same. It's Rampage. That's it, Rampage Jackson. Rampage yeah. Jackson. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the one. Um, yeah, as my uh, as my second in command, one name and one name only, Bennett from Commando. <laughs> And the um, the femme fatale, who's also a bit of muscle, Mayday from A View to a Kill. Okay, so that's a your bond, team's absolutely it? your team are absolutely going to bully mine, and I hate it already. <laughs> <laughs> it's full on full on eighties assault. Yes, <laughs> that's what is. you need. Grace Jones, Mayday, by the way. Oh, okay, right. I'm not good with Bond. We'll probably establish that at some point. <laughs> so for my team. We've actually got a few people which have already been mentioned on the pod already. So for the boss man, the guy who's holding it all together and telling people what to do, it's got to be Luke Hobbs. It's got to be <laughs> the rock. He's the man. He's just, he's super intelligent and he's a badass. What more can you ask for? The femme fatale, I'm going for someone who's sexy and lethal. I'm going for Beatrix Kiddo from the Kill Bill films. Oh, mm. okay. Yep. Good, good. Obviously, everyone needs a bit of a psychopath. Everyone needs a knife man in their team. Who more knife man than Machete? Oh, there we go. Yeah. All in together. That's it. I'm going to have to come back to the all-rounder because I'm still not decided. Comic relief, John McClane. Someone who can crack a one-liner like nobody's business. And the tank, Mr. Muscle. Caesar, Terry Crews, Expendables. Now, the all-rounder, I'm really... 
It's either Jason Bourne or it's John Wick. The guy who can do everything. I'm kind of leaning towards John Wick because he's got that little bit of... Um, he's got a bit more nose when it comes to the weapons and where he can hide stuff. Whereas Bourne's more of a all-action get-out-there-and-go. So I think John Wick is going to be my all-rounder. He's going to be my ace in the hole. And... Bourne might forget himself again, which is always a problem. <laughs> yeah, he might wake up in the sea again. <laughs> <laughs> I've only seen the first four of them. Uh, the one with Hawkeye is not great. Yeah. I can't remember which is one that, that is. is that, I think that's is that the fourth one. No, it's not easy because it, it, it's when it changed. But I've only seen three. And I've got the, again, that, that kind of film blew right up over there. Mm. Um I'm trying to think. How many is there? Is there five or six? I think there's oh. five off the top of my head. Because um, I think, did they do one with Renner and then come back with um, <clears throat> Matt Damon, I believe. But yeah, I wasn't... The first three are excellent. And I love the fact that in the third one we get uh, Paddy Considine, who's one of my favourite actors working. But then it, it just sort of felt a little bit shoehorned in once the third one was over and then they carried on. Wasn't yeah, Born Legacy was the fourth one. So yeah, I've only seen the first three. So I've never seen um, Born Legacy or Jason Bourne. Yeah, that, yeah, okay. It's like a good place to stop with them. To be fair, then by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't bother with the rest. Just leave it there. Yeah. So final question, Matt. It's on you. So I want to know, guys, what is your favourite film that has actually never received a not even a nomination, much less an actual award, in the three big hitters, so the Golden Globes, the Oscars, or the BAFTAs. So I want to know a film that didn't receive even a nomination in any of those, but he's actually got one of your favourites. Uh, Stu, let's go with you, mate. I went for a couple just in case that this was... Um, we doubled up again. <laughs> and I had, to, I had to really double-check that this, these hadn't been nominated because I was, I was... I know there was a whole... Th- Controversy about they hadn't won things, but American Psycho, for one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just for just being an app. Again, it's one of them. It's thought provoking if you want it to be thought provoking. It's mad, it's madness and mayhem if you want it to be madness and mayhem. It's very, it's incredibly deep for what it, what it is mm-hmm. for me. Um, I love that film. Um, but the other one, What's Eating Gilbert Grape? Hmm. Didn't win anything. <laughs> I'm quite shocked at that. Because um, oh, that's proper Oscar bait stuff. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. I mean, I know we um, we watched it, I think it must have been in secondary school, because um, it was all that mid context. It was mid-90s, so someone who's a bit mentally incapacitated or a bit funny. Um, but again, Leo, again, like we mentioned mm. earlier. Excellent. Very, very, very young Leo, but excellent. Yeah, it was... Um, Nominate, I think it was Johnny Depp nominated for um, the award for that one, not the film itself. Didn't win, amazingly. Hmm. Mine, and I've got a couple of uh, couple of honourable mentions. Mm-hmm. Florence Pugh should have been Oscar nominated for Midsummer. There is yeah. absolutely no question about it. That's one of the best performances of any human being in any film ever. Fantastic. A Quiet Place. It was Oscar nominated for something um let me come back to that it received one for sound but 
in this year, Bohemian Rhapsody and Green Book were up for the actual big award. Those two films are terrible, terrible films. No, Bohemian Rhapsody's all right. It's yeah, really, Bohemian Rhapsody's a good film. It's really not. It's a shock. <laughs> it's a you, shock. Okay. It's, it's not got a patch on the quiet, on a quiet place. Did you like so for that Man to only get one? I haven't seen Rocket Man yet. It is on the list. I do like you, Dexter Fletcher. You'll like Rocket Man better just to be awkward. I can tell. You can just see it in your eyes. <laughs> uh, but the one I was actually going to go for, which I worried Matt might be going for as well, is Uncut Gems. Okay. What a film as well. But yeah, talk, talk yeah. us through one. So, right. It should have been up. I've listed down the, the awards. It should have been up for this year. It should have been up for Best Film. It should have been up for Director. Todd Phillips got, got Director for um, Joker. And that's literally the worst thing about that film is the direction. The lead actor, I am not an Adam Sandler film, and I do not say this lightly, but he should have been Oscar nominated for that performance. It was amazing. The lady in the supporting actress, uh, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but she was fantastic. You genuinely cared about her. She brought such warmth to that role. She could have quite easily got the supporting actress. Editing. It was fast-paced. The way that it got you hooked, the tension at the end because of the way the editing is done is just next level. Original screenplay. There aren't many films that are that original ever, let alone just within the last 12 months. The score to it, as I've mentioned with the editing, the actual music in that final scene as it's ramping up, oh, it's just gorgeous. And obviously with that, you tie in with the sound editing as well. And you got nothing... I'm absolutely mm. furious about this. And it's an Adam Sandler film for crying out loud. It's just is crazy. There a, is there a, an unconscious bias towards it being a, a Netflix production? Because it's a Netflix, it's a Netflix like original, even though it's a film, isn't it? Um, yeah. Uncut Gems. I mean, I don't know. Is there, an unco- is there an unconscious bias towards that? I don't know. Um, I'm with you. I remember texting you at the time because you'd already seen it and I hadn't. Um, and I was getting palpitations towards the end because mm. it is so tense um that and then i'm not giving away anything towards the ending but the ending had me stunned perhaps for you know stunned like yeah like modern what the end of modern warfare 2 stunned kind of thing <laughs> like um I, I was in shock but yeah i'm um, i'm surprised i didn't get a nomination in anything that's incredible i think the only award i think adam sandler won a spirit award mm. and normally the spirit awards they do tend to follow with the Oscars. So it was quite thought that he was at least going to get Oscar nominated and he didn't. But I think, if I remember correctly, I think he he may have been nominated for a Razzie or he may have even won a Razzie (laughs) this year. That is the the breadth of work you get with Adam Sandler. He's some of the absolute dog worst. And then you get uncut gems. Mm -hmm. It's 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 got to be. It's fantastic. The other thing I'd say as well, sorry, just to cut you off there, Matt. There's another film on Netflix by the same directors called Good Times with Robert Pattinson. Put that on your list as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I had to, I was just going purely on potluck at first, just thinking I was going to go through my some of my favourite films and just see. They're not going to be on, I'm not going to be able to use them. So, you know, let's just, just go, but let's have a quick look. And then to my shock horror, Horror being the opportune word. I couldn't believe that this hasn't been nominated for anything. Um, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. What? I just, yeah, believe. <laughs> it hasn't been. <laughs> okay, I'm still. You look, you, look, you look at 
what you think it's going to be nominated for something somewhere it's been barely touched by any of the um awards for anything in fact when i look at the um when i look at what it was nominated for it had two razzies nominations and uh four saturn awards um in which uh scatman crothers won best supporting actor um <laughs> the shining for me it's it, it, it stands up as one of still today the scariest films i've ever seen and it's not scary in a jump out boohoo these are ghosts and all sorts of films it's just a film that is crammed full of tension and it's so slow and methodical in its way that has me absolutely terrified when i when i watched it the first time and even when i watch it now when i can appreciate it much more as an artistic piece than i do just purely to be scared um to the point where even though it it, it isn't anywhere near even the same kind of film just watching the start of dr sleep made me feel the same feelings about the shining the tense kind of uh, atmosphere that it created almost straight away as if i'd as if i'd watched them back to back with each other um and i just couldn't believe it hadn't been nominated for anything i think it's just a fantastic film that um from start to finish just has you second guessing everything and you can't really work out what's going on and then they have the absolute bizarre um, and I just couldn't believe it, it hadn't been nominated for either of the, or any three of those um, awards. No, I, I will say that a lot of them, the horrors, or we got a comedy actor. So it's all, mm-hmm. it's almost like it's an automatic no, no. And this is exactly why the Oscars are bollocks, <laughs> because yeah, you got excellent films like this. And even I mean, I've mentioned one there, one that you'd expect that ticks all the boxes of oh yeah, proper thought and that kind of thing didn't win but all the ones that you've mentioned are all excellent films and much more entertaining and better than what i've said but again they don't fit the uh into the genres do they so then they they've almost mm. ever got a chance mm. exactly well, wasn't um silence of the lambs the first horror film to win an oscar and, and then that was quite quickly said oh it's not really a horror it's a, it's a thriller. psychological thriller eh? yeah to try and get away from it but there's clearly yeah. horror tropes within there so yeah it's a horror mate but they almost had to justify why they picked a horror for it. So you are right. There is that bias towards those those genre of films. Put the lotion on the skin. <laughs> <sighs> so that's that's the fourth question cast done. On to next week where we're doing the picture pod. And we're going to be diving into the world of science fiction. How interesting. We're going to be exploring Nick Cage in 2007's Next. Man, I live. <laughs> and then we're going to get some scenery chewed like you will not believe when we discuss Face Off from 1997. Please send us your questions. You can do that on Twitter at Cage Fighting Podcast. You can do it via email, which is cagefightingpod at gmail.com. Uh, we're also looking to set up Facebook page, but I'll be honest, I ain't got a clue what I'm doing. But just keep an eye out on Facebook. We'll hopefully be on there soon. If you can please leave us a uh, review, rate us, subscribe. So for this week, Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Take it easy, everybody. Stay safe. Stu, would you like to say goodbye? You'll be back. Soon you'll see. You'll <laughs> remember you belong to me. You'll be back. Time will tell. You'll remember that I served you well. Watch it, Matthew. Watch it. That's going to be my outro. Um, <laughs> And from me, it's goodbye, and remember, be excellent to each other.